So you see pretty quickly that Peter is addressing this real world problem that is happening right then and there in the early church. He's talking about this idea that there's false teachers, there's liars, there's people who are coming into the church and they're teaching things that aren't true. Now, let's be honest, okay? And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for this. Anybody in here ever been a liar? Yeah. Every hand in the room should be up. If not, you're lying right now, so put your hand up. Okay? We we all are. We're, you can put them down. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I lied a lot. Let's just keep it up there. No. You can, you, can, <laughs> you can put your hand down. We've all lied about something. Okay? We've all, at some point, we've stretched the truth. Maybe you got caught in the lie. Maybe you got away with the lie. I don't know. And, and it may be... Maybe in your mind it was a really big lie, like you got caught and you got in all kinds of trouble. Or maybe it was one of those little little white lies that we tell and sometimes we justify them by saying, well, I'm just trying to spare somebody's feelings. You know, I've, I, I, you, always, you always hear a joke about um, a husband and a wife and a wife saying, does this dress make me look fat? And the husband's in, in a predicament, right? Okay, because hopefully he can say, no, of course not. But sometimes you always see the joke of he's like, oh, I don't know what to say, because if I say it makes her look fat, then she's going to be mad. And if I say it doesn't look fat and it does, then she's going to be mad because I didn't tell her the truth. And we and we start having those dilemmas. But the problem is, Scripture tells us we're supposed to be truthful all the time. Right. You know, I actually heard that joke ended one day by guy asked his or wife, asked her husband if the dress made her look fat. And he said, no, it's not the dress it's the refrigerator. So it was a joke. It was a joke. Guys, don't ever use that line, okay? That'll probably get you killed. But here's the thing. Hey, we, we've all lied. And there's times where we can justify our lies. But Scripture tells us we're not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be truthful. Because when, when you look at who God is, God is not a God of lies. God is a God of truth. And God is a God of integrity. And yet what Peter is talking about is there are people who are coming into the church and they are saying, this is the truth about God. And they were telling lies. That's a problem because what happens and and we see this problem today and we're not going to get into this a lot tonight because the passage doesn't get into this. Next week, he actually starts talking about this is what some of those false teachers look like. And these are some of the things specifically that they're saying. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week and how to identify that in real life today. But the, what he's trying to do is he's trying to warn them because there's going to be people and there are always people who will sit in a church service who, who will listen to a Bible study or they'll see this great little spiritual sounding quote online and they'll turn around and they'll repost it and it's not even true to what Scripture says. And that's why we have to be careful because there are always going to be people who will twist Scripture and that's exactly what Peter's trying to warn them about. So as we walk through this, there's two truths we're going to see tonight. And I want to go ahead and tell you what those are right now. The two things that Peter shows this early church and what we can find from this is the first is a warning. The warning that we need to be on guard. That anytime you hear scripture, anytime you hear a preacher or a Bible study leader or somebody talking about God, you need to be on guard that what they are saying is actually true to what God's word says. That's the first thing that Peter's talking about. And the second thing is this. We have the promise here. We have the reminder that God is sovereign. That even in a situation where people are taking God's word and they are twisting God's word and they are making it say something that it does not say, God is still sovereign. 
God is still in control and God is still going to take care of everything in the end. Let's walk through this passage and see how we bring that out tonight. Let me just read some of these verses again. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, listen to this. He says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, or excuse me, who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. He's saying right there, you need to be on guard. Because there's going to be false teachers. There's going to be liars. There's going to be people who come in and say, this is what God's word says. And some of it might be a little bit true, but some of it is not going to be at all what God's word says. And we can see from his very first statement here, this is not a new problem. In the New Testament church, this wasn't a new problem because he says, but false prophets also arose among the people. He's referring back to Old Testament times. Peter's living in the New Testament. This is after Jesus has lived. This is after Jesus has died on the cross, resurrected, ascended back into heaven. He's living in the time of the New Testament church. And he's saying, even back then, there were false prophets. There were people who lied about God. And just like they had that problem back then, they have this problem right here in this church now. He says there's going to be church false teachers among you. There's going to be liars. And here's why you need to pay attention, because you're going to be able to recognize them. And he names three different things that are going to happen or or three ways that they're going to look. The first thing he says is that they're going to bring destructive heresies. They're going to take the truths that people know about God and they're going to twist them. They're going to change them. There's a book that that came out. You guys probably aren't even old enough to know this book. It was by a guy by the name of Rob Bell and the name of the book was called Love Wins. That's a great sounding book, isn't it? And Rob Bell was a guy that, I mean, for, for years, he, he was a student ministry guy. And, and student ministries all across the country were using his teachings and using his videos. And then one day he decides to write this book. And that book, the basic premise of that book is this. A loving God would never send anyone to hell. There is no hell. That, that is, it's not true. It's not what scripture says. See, there's one problem. When you look at scripture... It's there. And it's a real place. Now, I will say this. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to turn away from God. Therefore, they choose hell. I do agree with that part of it. But that's not what Scripture says. So you've got somebody who was a faithful teacher of God's word for years and years. All of a sudden, took one little thing and changed it. And now that's not even at all what Scripture says. See, this wasn't a new problem then. And it's not a new problem now. And what it says right there is that those people are going to bring destructive heresies. That is why every time we start on a Wednesday night, I say, if you did not bring a Bible, go get one off the back table. Because I don't ever want anybody to sit in a room where I'm teaching or one of our adult leaders are teaching or across the street where Pastor Brian is teaching and you not be able to fact check what God's word says right then and there. You've got to be on guard because if you don't know what God's word says, you don't know if what you're hearing is contrary to what God's word says. You've got to use God's word and you've got to open it up for yourself because it says they'll bring those destructive heresies, but they will even deny the master who bought them. 
He's saying these false teachers, they deny God by the lies that they teach and the ways that they live. They claim a faith in Jesus. They claim a faith according to scripture, but their words and their actions show that they don't belong to who Jesus is. And like I said, we're going to get more into that next week. And it says because of those things, they're inviting swift judgment because of their actions, because of their words. Scripture tells us God's going to take action. That at some point, they're not going to be able to continue saying the things that they're saying. And, 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 and as, as I'm walking through this, this sounds like a lot of gloom and doom and condemning, but it's not. It's an encouragement for us that we need to be in God's word so that we know what God's word says, so that when we hear anything contrary to it, we can see it and we can recognize it for what it is and we can walk away from it. He goes on in verse two, he says, and many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. He said, this, this is why you need to be on guard. There's going to be people that don't know what the word of God says and they're going to believe something that sounds good even when it's not true and all they're doing is believing lies that's why we have to be on guard and it says there the the sinful lot the the sinful lives of the way that these people are living are going to cause people to dismiss the truth of the gospel he goes on and says in verse three and in their greed they will exploit you with false words that means they are using lies about who god is for their own personal gain it's not about you it's about them. If, if, you, if you have a teacher or a preacher who is, I don't even know if I should go there. They're going to exploit you. They're going to use you for their own gain. And Peter says, be on guard for that. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. People are going to use you for their own game when they twist God's word. And when they do that, God promises here that he's going to hold them accountable. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Here's what that means. That means, we've talked about this before, God is omniscient. God knows everything. God knows what you were going to do this morning. God knows what you're going to do 20 years from now. God knows because that's who God is. That's the way scripture describes him. God knew before these people that Peter was talking about ever started spreading lies about God were going to do so. God already knew and God already had a plan for their judgment. The same way from the foundation of the world before you and I were ever born, God knew we were going to be sinners and without his love and mercy and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he already planned our judgment and our destruction because that's what a righteous, holy God demands as a penalty for sin. But you see, there's also hope there. There's also grace there that we see in Scripture. He talks about be on guard so you're not deceived. But over these next few verses, starting in verse 4, we get a clear picture of that second truth. And that second truth is that God is sovereign. Nothing is out of God's hands. We can look today and, and we can see people who are taking and who are twisting Scripture and they're getting rich off of it. And they've got huge mega churches and they've got private jets and life looks great for them. And we wonder why. why. Why would God let that happen? Why would God let that prosper? Why would God let that be a thing? But scripture tells us right here, God's sovereign. 
We don't always understand God's timing. We don't always understand why God allows some of the things that he allows. We don't always understand why he doesn't take action where we would take action. But we can trust that God is sovereign. And at the end of the day, God knows what he's doing. Look at what it says in verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. This scripture tells us that when God created everything, everything was good. And yet at some point in time, we don't know exactly when that is, there are angels who sinned against God. Created beings who were made for the purpose of glorifying God, being his messengers, carrying out his will, they decided to sin against God. And scripture tells us that when they sin, God didn't cut them a break. They were in heaven with God and God didn't cut them a break. It says God cast them out. He committed them to judgment that will come. And then he goes on in verse 5. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Way back in the book of Genesis, not long after creation, humanity has gone off and has done their own thing. And they are living lives and doing things that dishonor God. And God comes to Noah and says, Noah, you're going to build an ark. Noah, you're going to preserve the animals that are needed for this planet. Noah, your family's going to go with you and I'm going to destroy everything but you. We can trust in God's sovereignty because what God did, Noah was by no means a perfect man. By no means a perfect man. He gets off the ark not much longer. We find Noah drunk in a cave. Noah made mistakes. Noah did stupid stuff, but his pursuit of God allowed God to use him because God is sovereign. Because when God could have wiped out every ounce of life on the earth, God preserved one group of people. And by doing so, God preserved humanity. And then it goes on in the very next verse. It says this, excuse me, verse Six, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Lot lived in this, this area, this, this Sodom and Gomorrah, and this was a bad place to be. People were pursuing everything that dishonored God. Everything you could imagine. At one point in this account in Scripture, you actually see God send messengers into the city. They come to Lot's house, and everybody there except for Lot thinks they're just normal guys. They go into Lot's house, and all of a sudden the men of the city come and all but break down Lot's door saying, give us those men so we can do whatever we want with them. That's how bad things were there. And, and even though it calls Lot a righteous man here, you need to know about Lot. Lot actually said, no, guys outside my door trying to take these men, take my daughter instead. He's called a righteous man, but he made mistakes too. But he pursued God. And his goal was to honor God. And because of that, because we can trust the sovereignty of God, God found one man that he considered righteous and he spared Lot and he spared his family. See, we see over and over again, God knows what he's doing. 
when what we look at doesn't make sense, when the things we see happening in the world, we don't understand them. When what is it? God, why? I don't get this. God, why do you allow people to take your word and twist your word and make it say something that it doesn't say? We can still trust that even when we don't understand what God's doing, God is sovereign. Verses 9 and 10. Then the Lord God knows how to rescue the godly from trials. If God can do all of these things, the Lord God knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. If God didn't let these things slide then, God's not going to let those things slide now. That's, that's what it comes down to. When people are telling lies or were telling lies about who God was and, and living in ways that dishonored him, if God was willing to bring judgment on them, then those who stood in opposition to his righteousness, then we can trust that God's going to do the same thing against anyone that's going to stand against him today. It may not be in our timing, and it may not be the way that we want to see it happen, but we can trust the sovereignty of God that anybody who's going to take and is going to lie and twist Scripture, God's going to deal with them in the end. And He's going to take care of that. This is why you and I have to be on guard. This is why we have to protect ourselves from people that are going to lie to you about who God is. This is why you have to spend time in your Bible. This is why you need to take it with you every single time you go to church or you go to a Bible study or somebody's going to be talking about God. Bring it and open it up. This is why I encourage you guys, bring a notebook, grab one of the ones off the back table and take notes when you're listening to a sermon because sometimes we'll think we heard one thing, but what we wrote down that the pastor actually said about who God is, they don't line up. So we need to be able to check that to what scripture says. You've got to be on guard. You've got to protect yourself so that you're not fooled by lies. Be on guard and trust that God is sovereign. Even when people tell lies about who he is and what he's done, God is sovereign every time. He is in control. His word can be trusted every single minute of every single day because God does not change. In this world that you live in, this is the only consistent thing. Your family that loves you can fall apart in an instant. The church that you go to, somebody can get mad at somebody over something and it can split within a couple days. All of the things that we cling to, they're not bad things. They're good things because God has put them in our lives. But none of those things are reliable like the Word of God is reliable. And that's why we have to know what God's word says. Because that is the only thing that we can trust time and time again. Because God is the only one that does not change. So I want to end by asking you this one question tonight. And it's this. Are you trusting in the word of God? And are you trusting his sovereignty in your life? It's very easy to say yes, but are you really trusting in the word of God and trusting in the sovereignty in his life? And that means every area of your life. That means in your family situation. You don't understand why parents are fighting all the time. 
you don't understand why maybe that sibling passed away or that grandparent passed away. Are you trusting God's sovereignty? Are you trusting that God still has a plan for you? God still loves you and you're spending time in his word, pursuing him no matter what's happening in your life. At school or you're failing the class or you didn't make the team or your best friend has lied about you and now you all don't talk anymore and all of those things seem like they're falling apart. Are you trusting the sovereignty of God and are you on guard because you're spending time in his word? It's very easy for us to sit here tonight and say yes and yes. It's very difficult to walk out of this room and actually do it. But you need to understand this tonight. God does not change. God will be the only consistent thing you will ever experience in your life. And there's a lot of great things that will be a part of your life. But God is the only consistent thing that will ever stand true. And that means everything in here can be trusted. Including what he tells us about ourselves. When he tells us that we're sinners. When he tells us that we don't deserve him. That we don't, we, we, we don't deserve him. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve a relationship. We don't deserve his love, his mercy, his grace. Because God can't be in the presence of sin. Which means we can't be in the presence of God. And that's why God took action in our salvation. God recognized the problem and God did only what God could do. He provided the solution to pay the penalty that only he could pay. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross. Because Jesus was 100% man. Try to wrap your mind around this. And 100% flesh. 100% God, excuse me. It's hard for our mind to comprehend that. But that's what scripture says. So we have to trust it. Because this is never wrong. And Jesus Christ gave his life on a cross. And in doing so, he paid the penalty that we owe for sin. Because it's a penalty we cannot pay. And Jesus was put in a tomb. And then three days later, we're getting ready to celebrate it in just a couple weeks. He rose from that tomb. He conquered death and he conquered sin. And he gives us the opportunity to have a relationship with God, to be in the presence of God, to know God's love and God's mercy and God's grace when we tell God, I'm a sinner and I can't fix myself. I want to do right. I want to live right. I want to honor God. But I mess up every single day, time and time again. When we understand that we can't fix that sin problem we have, we say, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I can't fix myself. I know Jesus died on the cross for me. God, please forgive me of my sin. God, I want to follow you with the rest of my life. Scripture says in that moment, you go from being an enemy of God to God holding you in his hands for eternity. And Scripture says nothing can take you away from God. Are you trusting in that tonight? Are you trusting in the fact that you know you are a sinner that has been forgiven by God? You have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Or are you here tonight and you've never made that choice? You don't have anything consistent in your life because you don't have God in your life. You can change that tonight. You can ask God right here, right now, tonight to forgive you of your sin. Put your faith and trust in him. And then as I said at the very beginning, God's done the work. And then our job begins. 
now we start pursuing him every single day. We spend time in his word. We come together. We learn about who God is. We check what we learn about who God is with what God's word says. And we pursue him every single moment of every single day. Are you trusting in your salvation? Are you trusting in his word? Are you trusting in the sovereignty of God tonight? If you are not, I would love to talk to you about that. When we stand up, when we sing, I'm going to stand right over here in the front of the room. Come talk to me. I'll come talk to one of the other adults in the room. They would love to talk to you about what it looks like to pursue Jesus Christ every single day, to be able to trust in his word and in the sovereignty of who he is. Let the gospel, let God's word affect every area of your life because it is the only thing that is trustworthy in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that we can come together, God, that we can spend time together. And God, I just pray right now, God, help us to trust you. Help us to trust your word. God, help us to know that, that when we see people, when we hear people who are taking your word, who are twisting your word, God, that you are still in control. And God, help us to, 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 to let those experiences push us closer to you, to draw closer to you, God, to pursue you further in what your word says. And God, if there's anybody in here tonight that doesn't know you, God, that can't trust in your word and can't trust in your sovereignty, God, because they've never trusted in you. God, I pray right now, in this moment, show them how much you love them, God. Show them how much you want a relationship with them. Show them their need to be forgiven of their sin. The forgiveness that only you can provide through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.